Welcome to 305 Cast, the Arsenal Miami podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from Miami, Florida. There has been a lot of news since we talked last. We have signed William. That was a big one. Um, we have uh, received an interesting interview that Ozil has done uh, for The Athletic where he has gone into detail about all sorts of stuff that I'm sure he worked out meticulously with his PR people and practiced and went over the kind of questions and approved certain questions and wanted to figure out the timing and the best place to do it and the best time to do it, only to be overshadowed and completely assumed in the more interesting, I would say, and grander news that Raul Sanyehi has been sacked. That is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. And it really makes you go back and think about all the decisions that were made that he was a part of, things that didn't make sense very much, uh, things that maybe made sense but didn't work out very well, and then try to put some logic behind that whole scenario. And in many cases, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to kind of break it down logically. And that's exactly what me and my guest today talk about. You know him for, from uh, the Gooners pod. This is uh, is Mike, you know, really funny guy, uh, very intelligent guy. And uh, it's his first time on the podcast, actually. We've known each other for a while now. And he was one of the reasons him and Tom kind of browbeating me back into this podcasting thing that uh, the one that peer pressured me to start doing this. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about uh, thanking him for, for getting me back into this. And we have a, a very fun, uh, in, interesting conversation about the, the the current state of things right now and maybe a little tinfoil hat moments. But uh, one thing I will say is that the conversation was so good, in my opinion, uh, and that and this is the excuse I'm using. We didn't even talk about Ozil. We mentioned him and said we were going to get back to it, but it was completely overshadowed by the rest of the conversation, which just goes to show uh, how interesting it is that uh, this is this is the news cycle that we're in. So, look, uh, I'm not going to talk about this anymore. It's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Uh, without further ado, my guest, Mike. Mike, how's it going? I am outstanding, John. This is exciting for me, man. Yeah, there's been some uh, there's been some interesting news recently, huh? There has, and and the biggest piece of news of all in the last you know short period of time is that is your return to podcasting. I'm 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 really excited by that, man. I know. I, I'd yeah, like to, I'd I, like to think I have something to do with it because you, you know, pressure you. You did. You and Tom both kind of pressured me into this. Um, and when I say kind of, it, I actually mean yeah. It was because of you guys. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it just for if you don't know, Mike uh, and Tom from the Gooner Talk basically uh, harangued me nonstop. When are you going to do your podcast? When are you going to do your podcast? And then uh, I did it again. So here we are. And in part, thanks to you and Tom. Well, the, the thought process is that, you know, w- during COVID and, and, and the age that we're in, the, the social injustices that are going on, we need more podcasts. I mean, that's the one thing that we need right now to solve all the world's problems is more podcasts. And right, here we here here we had a podcaster, especially for Arsenal, because there's not enough Arsenal podcasts. Certainly here not. We, here we have an Arsenal podcaster, brilliant, you know, already has all the experience, already has the microphone and everything. And he's just sitting on the sidelines, you know, on WhatsApp all day. So, you know, look, we needed this and and John, I'm just glad that you've given the world what they what they want because, you know, everyone in the world wants this and now that they have it. 98% of the people in the world want it. Don't overestimate. I mean, everyone's okay, a, a stretch. Fine, 98%. Yeah. That's fair, some like fair. five some odd billion people are all tuning in. Yeah. 
Understandable. So look, uh, one thing that I like to do when people come on the podcast for the first time, I like to talk to them a little bit about how they became uh, a gooner. So, so it's your, it's your stage. Go for it. Tell us. how Man, you a gooner. I, I, you know, I, I love telling the story. I can't tell it enough, but the people that have heard it before absolutely hate it. So tune out for the next 30 seconds, but please come back. Cause we're going to talk about some other things. Um, my history is way back in the, in the olden days, 1988, um, I moved over to London with my parents. I was 15 then, um, and was there for a couple of years. Didn't really know what to make of the whole move. Didn't know anything about anywhere other than Northern Virginia. And, um, instantly I, I started riding the tube. I tried to assimilate as much as I could into the culture and quickly, it became obvious that the best way to do that was, you know, to, to take on football. And I always played football, soccer, if we if we want to call it that, as a youth. So I don't think we do. No, we, I, I don't. But, I, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to get ang- you know, angsty about people who do. But uh, but I, I, I realized that was quickly, you know, the way to kind of get into things. And I lived on the Piccadilly line. I needed a quick, easy way to get to to a, a you know, to a stadium. I actually lived not far from Chelsea, but they were just a lowly second division team at the time. So uh, <laughs> hopped on the tube one Saturday, got off at Arsenal, walked down the street, followed everybody into what I later realized was the North Bank. And that's where it started. I just fell in love. Didn't hurt that that was the 88-89 uh, season. Um, so again, having no idea that I was latching onto a team that had pretty much not done much other than one world, uh, world cup, one FA cup in, in almost 20 years, but, uh, it was an amazing season. The way it ended just cemented it for me as being an Arsenal supporter. And it's, uh, with the exception of some years when I really wasn't able to follow the team after I came home, that was, it, it's been 32 glorious years. There you go. Nothing but successes. Only successes. 100% successes. And no, it's interesting. You said uh, the World Cup, but it reminds me. I remember seeing that that uh, when all the French guys won the World Cup, it actually the new the the news line said uh, Arsenal win the World Cup. So that 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 front page is on the walls of the media center in the Emirates. Uh, If when you finish an Emirates tour, or if you're a member of the media, uh, that picture is right right there, and it's it's true. They did win the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. I, I I haven't seen Barcelona win the World Cup, or yeah, or Chelsea. They're always talking about the Champions League, but I'd rather win the World Cup than the Champions League. So take that anyway. Champions, Champions League is a feeder league anyway. So yeah, apparently. <laughs> I mean, we're just we're we're talking now right after Leon has just uh, decimated Man City, and after uh, Bayern just oh my ripped Barcelona apart. Yeah. So Spain, and, Spain's done. That's all. Did, you know. Did you see? Did you see? Mbappe I hate to be some. I hate, I hate to be somebody who like always sticks up for and does research on and like absolutely is tied into everything having to do with La Liga because right now I don't, you've I mean, got to be feeling pretty bad that. about yourself. I can't imagine anyone that would do that though. Do you know, can you think of anyone off the top of your head? Well, it, I mean, and, and worse would be if you have a mate who is like really into the Bundesliga because they've got two teams in the final. I mean, that would be the worst case scenario I can think of at this particular moment in time. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, Mbappe just tweeted out, uh, uh, f- he said something like yeah, Farmers, Farmers League. League. Yeah, it was so. like a clown face. <laughs> and then uh, Lacazette also tweeted out. So, look, look, it's good. It's good for football when all these leagues are doing well. And I think it lights a little bit of a fire under the Premier League to step it up and kind of get off their high horse in certain regards. Because I feel like in a lot of instances, 
Um, we they, the Premier League tends to feel superior, and I think in many instances there are they are in terms of financial aspects and viewership and stuff like that. But in terms of talent coming out of these you know countries, there's a lot of good talent in France and Germany right now. Yeah, and there's a lot of good talent and management in those com- countries as well because they're putting they're putting together teams, and and I really mean teams with players that aren't even just homegrown, but they're from other places, much like the Premier League tries to do. But they're doing it the right way, and and we're certainly not. Yeah, I mean, look, we have a one of the, what's looking like one of the best uh, wingers left uh, left backs in the world right now in uh, Alfonso Davies. So, and he's quite Canadian, right? Yep, yep. Almost, 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 almost American, we'll call him. Well, yeah, he's like he's like America's like kind Polisic. of straight. He's, straight he's Canada's Polisic. He, no, yeah, he's he's like America's. For those who don't know, Canada's kind of like the the kind of conservative neighbor over like a big meth lab that's basically what canada is kind of just like keep it down eh yeah. anyway uh anyway i thought you were uh, gonna say for those of you who don't know canada's right above the u.s i'm like <laughs> what is your demographic if they don't know that <laughs> I, I i see some people from all over the place but i you know i just wanted to make the meth lab joke that's why i got it in there to make the meth lab joke They're, well it's pretty accurate yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess there's enough beating around the bush on this one. There has been some crazy news at Arsenal going back to, to I guess, the biggest story of the day. Um, and it's interesting saying that it's the biggest story of the day because this is right off the back of a really intense interview that was done by Ozil, which everyone seems to have completely forgotten about. That Ozil, like, yeah, and if I was Ozil's, like, management and PR or whatever, and, you know, this was some kind of a strategic move to interview with Ornstein to get, you know, his name out there, like, it's completely drowned out. Well, it was. I mean, let's be clear. It was exactly that. And and maybe that, you know, all of a sudden Arsenal, after seeing that, said, we got to top this with something. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Raul. I mean, that, they, I think I, you know. I think Raul's job was safe until Ozil gave that interview, actually, and then uh, and then all all, all the uh, you know the crap hit the fan, as it were. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, I, whether it is or isn't, and we'll go back to the Ozil thing at some point. It's certainly drowned it out. Um, and obviously, the news we're talking about is Raul being sacked, right? Yeah. So what what did you think when you saw those headlines? I mean, what was your initial reaction? Uh, my initial reaction would have been complete and total shock. Um, you know, when I woke up this morning, uh, it was kind of the first thing all over my timeline. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it was more just surprised that, that, that I saw a couple of accounts actually tweeting about it yesterday, which I rubbished, I thought was absolutely ridiculous. And then, and then they turn out to be right. One of them is this rodent, uh, the gerbil. Who, the, the gerbil and I gotta I gotta give it up to the gerbil just because I tried to I tried to kind of latch on to his or her fame today by uh, uh, by mentioning a, a charity that we run and and they were pretty accommodating to it uh, so you know I don't want to make fun of ITKs Andy my my podcast partner and wife and husband of, of four years um, he hates ITKs altogether I I I don't hate them as much as he does but they're <laughs> This this one is is a little weird, but I mean Raúl, he it's big news. It's big news. I mean, what what do you think? Uh, I mean, I know you asked me first, but I mean, is, is is I'm still processing whether this is a good thing or whether it's a sign of absolute shambolic management down you know behind the scenes. And I I, I think and I'm going to just 
rattle on after I asked you to tell me what you thought. No, I, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm rattle gonna on. Now, I'm going to now rattle on. Um, I think if you look at it over the spectrum of the last 15 months, the club looks pretty clueless, pretty rudderless, pretty what the hell is going on. Mm. Um, you know, I sat in a room, fortunately, uh, had the luck of sitting in a room with Josh, Raul, Vinay, and a couple of behind-the-scenes members of, of KSE last year on the day that Who Cares Do You broke and listened to the guy's view of, of where Arsenal was and what was going to happen. And, you know, I, I, I did b- believe a lot of it. And part of what they said was, uh, we believe we have the right team going forward. And, you know, that included Raul. So if you look at that comment and, you know, compared to today, it looks a little bit iffy. What's changed? Well, um, for one thing, uh, the season went shit. Um, it did not go well, and, and they had to make a bunch of changes. For another thing, they brought in uh, a guy named Tim Lewis, um, and I think that's a name that's, that, that's not been bandied about too much, but it is, it's a massive one. And, so for uh, people might yeah. not know who it is, who, who is Tim Lewis? Tim Lewis is, as far as I know, he is uh, a longtime uh, solicitor or lawyer, as, as we call him over here, uh, that has worked with KSE for some time. I, I don't claim to be the authority on Tim Lewis, but he was brought in to be a board member shortly after Sir Chips left. And my thought at the time was, oh, great, we're, we're taking, I mean, I was no fan of Sir Chips, trust me. But we're just you know stacking the board with Cronky people. Um, but the more I think about it, the more it kind of makes sense uh, because if if he has identified issues in the club, whether it's transfer policy, whether it's people potentially getting their pockets lined, and that's just a rumor uh, with re- regards to what Raul's been up to. Um, you know, shady dealings. We already knew that the that the kind of the club was heading in a different direction as far as how they identify potential new Arsenal players. And like it or not, it was a definite change. And it sounds like the Arsenal itself did not like it so much. So Tim Lewis, I think, holds a lot of power. And his first real massive personnel stroke, besides being behind the uh, significant layoffs uh, or, or redundancies, if you want to call it, that we saw recently, was this Raul move, and I, I, I think we'll be seeing a lot more moves made by him in the future. Yeah, and, and just a little bit more specifics. I'm looking at football.london. There's a, a good article that was uh, written by Tom Victor and Colin Millar uh, today, actually, uh, just going into who Tim Lewis is. Uh, and the name of the article is the Arsenal fan who was appointed as non-executive director. Uh, so apparently this Lewis guy was uh, a partner with Clifford Chance, which is a law firm in, in London, and they have country offices all over the world uh, and went to Charterhouse School, in Oxford University, graduated um, and uh, was a partner at that firm. And at, according to his website and according to this article, he specialized in advising listed and international corporate clients on mergers and acquisitions, equity issues, reorganizations, as well as providing general corporate advice. Um, and... Look, the guy seems to have worked on another of like big, big clients, um, but apparently his involvement with Arsenal, and once again, according to this article, uh, from a professional standpoint, goes all the way back to Stan Kroenke's takeover back in, in 2011. Um, and it looked like Kroenke kind of looked towards Lewis for the advice on this deal. 
And I think it was valued around, uh, and if, if the numbers here are right, around 731 million pounds. And then it kind of it kind of went from there. And I'd, you know, I'd prefer that you not disclose my weight on the podcast, please. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're I, right. try to, I try to. I'm working on that right now, and I try to keep that. Uh... You know, I try to keep that quiet, but yeah, look, I'm sorry. I, you know, I really didn't mean to put you out there. I'm trying to get it down to 728 million pounds, but it's not yeah. going so well. Look, look, I think, uh, I heard keto works pretty well. Um, although if you, you know, if anyone's listening to this, definitely consult your physician before you take any dieting <laughs> advice from a sports podcast. <laughs> That's how the 305 podcast is going to go down. Is it's going to, yeah, someone's going to sue for, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, uh, but look, I think that you, you raised some good points, uh, about kind of, the, the concerns that might be there regarding this kind of a, a of a deal. And you asked me what I think. I think that it's a good thing. And I think that the optics look bad. Um, you know, obviously we're in transition, right? You know, might look disorganized, but I think the optics look bad for that reason because we're in transition. It's gonna, it's not gonna look so it's super cohesive, right? But when you actually look at the logic behind the move, I think that there is some kind of in, in, internal logic to this. Um, when you look at the the moves that were being made, you and then you go back and now you start look at everything in context. You look at that Emory decision. Is was Emory real? Now you start thinking, was Emory really? the most qualified manager out of all the ones that we interviewed, there's a question mark there now. Right. Uh, and, and then not only that, all of a sudden we see Raul, um, we see uh, Raul push for another contract extension, given what, what happened with the manager. And a lot of us were kind of maybe thinking, Hmm, uh, this could be a good thing, right? Because we're, we're really backing him. And I think most of us kind of were like, well, look what he did this season. It was absolutely almost nothing. So are we really going to be able to justify that? And then now you look at, the, the fact that that duel was heavily influenced by a super agent. You start seeing uh, his direct ties with like with Kia, which, you know, we've discussed on Tom's podcast and everything. Um, but uh, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with utilizing an agent. But when you look at everything in totality, it certainly looked like there was an issue, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of liked uh, – I, sorry to jump in, but I, I, I didn't automatically think it was a bad thing that we were – Kind of taking the the wolves approach or the 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 slimy or the Barcelona approach. I mean, look, we've been polite in the transfer market and mm -hmm. dithering and 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 patient and uh, principled for a long, long time. And those are all characteristics I would assign both the positive ones and the negative to Arsene Wenger, who really held the control of this club for so many years. Um, and you know, so to switch away from that. I wasn't against that in and of by itself, but some of the shadiness that we're hearing about and, and is being speculated obviously can't be taking place at the football club. If, 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 you know, if money over and above what the selling club are getting is, is, is huge and going into people's pockets that aren't really being well tracked right. as has been suggested that that's not good. So I, I agree with you. I think, I think this is a good move that looks bad because it, it just looks bad in the, in the, in the larger perspective. If, if you shrink the time frame from 15 months down to three weeks, then you find that Arteta appears to be in a position to be backed. Mm -hmm. uh, you see people who uh, are, are potentially Arsenal people being brought in uh, to, to be advisors or be on the board. That's another rumor that, that I'm hearing is, you know, the, the ability to, to put maybe one or two, Arsenal legends and and not just because of their name, but because of their experience in football mm -hmm. uh, into onto the board. 
and kind of arsenalizing the club. I mean, you've got you've you've got Tim Lewis. I I hope that he's an Arsenal fan because otherwise, just having businessmen running all the decisions in the team is not what we want. We want a combination between business people and football people, where the business people give the football people what they need to run the club. And uh, if Tim Lewis is basically the boss now of uh, Vini. And if Vini is overseeing kind of, in a sense, uh, Adu and Arteta and and even in the younger areas of that Murdersacker, then then I'm all for that. Yeah, and I think you raised a good point, and it's one that I've kind of felt as well that it reflected true, is that it always felt like there was this too many cooks in the kitchen scenario that we had. Even with Sven Mislintat back before he got, this, he got the boot, you know, I always felt like it was always like the delineation between the, the – the roles that at Arsenal were always a little bit, I guess, opaque, right? It was always, I'm not exactly sure what, what everyone's doing, but everyone kind of similar, seems like they have a similar job, right? Or, or at least it bleeds together. It's like the and only it, person that you know whose job is what is Stu McFarlane. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's know, like the only one. <laughs> it's just Stu McFarlane and the kit guy. And, 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 Gun- and Gunnar, Gunnar, Gunnar Soros. But I mean, we yeah. all knew that that was, that was Carl Jenkinson anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, it that might was still like, be. I think it still is. I mean, have you seen Carl Jenkinson recently? No, I, I, I mean, I've I have seen it. him inside the costume, but that's about it. Well, uh, I don't think I've ever seen the two of them in the same room. But Never I have, once. Show I, me yeah, proof. I don't think there is proof. And even if you show me a picture, it's probably Photoshopped. So you can't prove it isn't. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, now that we got one mystery out of the way, I guess we can consider... Uh, exactly where we are now that that this change has happened. And I guess you could debate whether it's a good thing or a bad thing or if it looks good or if it looks bad. Um, and I think we've covered some of that. But in terms of of what you when you saw this change, Raul come in the first place, he was brought in uh, from Barcelona, February 2018. There was a big transition at that time between one of our longest standing managers and obviously in Arsene Wenger, who is more than just a manager. It wasn't just picking the team. He had his fingers in every aspect of this club, right? He was he was Maske und manager. Yeah, Maske und manager. <laughs> right. Uh, and when you look at that level of, of control that one person had at the club, it, it's almost unprecedented. And it was a certain, it was almost like a like a dying way of running a football club, right? It wasn't. Well, I don't even think it was meant to be that way. It was the vacuum of the fact that at that, at that time, nobody owned the club. Uh, it, you know, Kroenke 30%, Usmanov 30%. Uh, you know, Lady Bracewell. And I mean, it, it was a hodgepodge until really 2000. I mean, I know the final purchase was 2018, but I don't even think it was until 2011 that he took over. So there was a period of time where, you know, was Kroenke going to put his mark on the club when he only owned 60 something percent of it? It was, you know, people asking him why he didn't spend 300 million pounds like, like Roman Abramovich did or loan 300 million pounds like Roman Abramovich did. And that's, and that's because he's lo- he'd be loaning it to, to Usmanov. Usmanov gets 30% of the, of the profits and, the, and, and, and so on. Why, why should he have been singularly responsible for doing that prior to 2000 and whenever Usmanov was bought out, 2017 or 18? So do and, you think- and the power was left to run the club in what initially started out as very safe hands 
and then those hands started trembling a little bit and and uh, and no one was there to mind the store that's the yeah, well and if you recall at that time it wasn't just raul and uh you know uh, these guys it was ivan gazidis was still here at the time oh. and there was yeah and you know we could without getting into too much about ivan gazidis because i think everyone kind of feels the same about him um, when you look at the, the, it seemed like there was going to be this trio between him, uh, Raul and Sven Mislintat, right? That these were the guys that were going to take us into this, the pre, you know, the precipice, the next movement into post Arsen Arsen Wenger life. Uh, and then yeah, obviously a guy, a guy to find the players, a guy to make the deals, and a guy to run the clubs, you know, marketing. I mean, that that seemed to make sense to me at the time. Right. But... There's an internal logic in that. But then Ivan effed off to Italy. Uh, and now you're left with this kind of uh, power struggle, I think, um, between maybe Vinay and Raul and Sven, certainly Raul and Sven, as we've learned later on. Um, and I think that that, you know, in a time where everyone needs the ship needs to have one captain going in one direction or at least multiple people working together to go in the right direction. I think yeah. what we started to see was a lot of of different p moving pieces that didn't really work together. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I mean, you've got loyalties to people who are no longer there anymore, and you've got you know people who were brought in because of Gazidis, and now they're just kind of languishing. And you know, I mean, if you need a, a, an episode to explain the kind of uncertainty and the 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 talking out of both sides of of Arsenal football club's mouth because of the people who are because of the teeth that are inside the mouth, <laughs> yeah, it's a good way. Um, you want you, you can point to the Aaron Ramsey situation. As, a, as an example of, you know, and maybe the Lauren Koscielny situation of players who have, have ultimately left because they were told one thing by one person and maybe another thing by another person. And now two years later, the people that told them the other thing and the other thing aren't even there anymore. So, I mean, this, we haven't changed coaches nine times uh, since the loss of, you know, we're, we're, we're not going around the merry-go-round, I think, as much as Manchester United has since Ferguson left. That's, that's true. Um, but what we're doing is we're doing it in the management and the, and the running of the club situation. And my only hope is that Kroenke sports entertainment who are not going anywhere. And Josh Kroenke, who is the owner of the team, not, not his father. Uh, let's stop worrying about Stan. Uh, my hope is that they're just, they're, they're trying to get it right. Mm -hmm. and, and they're not afraid. They're not going to be so stubborn to stick in their ways. If they're not getting it right, they're, they're, they're not going to wait to pull the trigger on something if it's not working. Um, and you know, that's on the, in the boardroom, uh, hopefully it will filter down and trickle down from the top. And as soon as we get our structure correct, and, and let's hope that we now have that or on our way to having that, I think the play on the pitch will follow because it will, it'll, it'll all be smoother among all levels of the club. Question. Have you ever seen the show, the office? <laughs> yes, I've yes, I have. Okay, well, there's a, there's going to be a couple spoilers uh, for those who haven't watched the show. Um, if you haven't but, watched it by now, then you deserve yeah, it to be yeah. But I like to still warn them anyway. Um, I'm, I, and I'm going to spoil Cheers at the end of the podcast. As yeah, well. right. Yeah, uh, I, I don't want to ruin the end of the book, but he eats the green eggs and the ham. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, so in the office, there was this one kind of plot line where Jim uh, and Michael were both managers at one point, right? And uh, it was like right at the takeover of like Kathy Bates' character. And the way that they, you know, the way they described it was that Jim would handle like the day to day and then um, uh, Michael would handle the big picture or vice versa. Um, but like what ended up in inevitably happening was hilariously 
uh, is that they couldn't figure out what was day to day and what was big picture, right? So they would say, well, we're, we have to deal with firings or whatever. And they would go, well, that's day to day. Well, no, because, you know, that's big picture. And I kind of get the sense that that might have been happening at Arsenal, too, because with with uh, with Ra- with Sanyel, he, um, he's got he's the sporting right. He's in charge of sporting direction of the football club versus the head of football. Like, I feel like. You could see where it would go, well, look, this is a, a head of football scenario. And someone going, well, no, 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 this is a sporting situation. You know, this is a sporting scenario. That, would, that, that This is a big picture thing that I have to address. And, and I wonder how much of that, that kind of dynamic was actually playing out. Which, which of those characters was played by Ricky Gervais? I no, this is, we're talking about the good office. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that there was an American version of it. I'm sorry. I, I want to try to kiss up to your uh, to your English listeners by uh, by pretending. Um, Great show, but the, the American ones is better. I'm sorry. Look, well, you have to have to have the inspiration from somebody. But yeah, we did. The, we because I was involved in the production. Uh, we, we did make we did make it better. The royal we. Yes, the royal <laughs> the royal we. Um, what was the question? Uh, no, I was just saying. I, I, we're just talking about this is an office podcast now. Yes. No, it was basically I was saying that it's you know I was using the office as kind of a, a way to show where where there was this kind of, there was uh, a management style that revolved around basically uh, obtuse uh, delineations job definitions what, job definitions and I wonder if that was an issue here because for for the life of me I I, I and I don't this just might be my my ignorance here but I really couldn't. If you told me to specify exactly what each one of them did for this club, I would I would think there would be a lot of of overlap. There definitely is, and I mean there there's a, you know there's a there's a media director, and then there's a director of communications uh, and public relations. And you know we last year um, when the when the team came over to the states to tour, we dealt with both, and I was a little bit confused. Um, there is a lot of that. And, you know, I don't claim to know the ins and outs of the uh, of the inside of the club, but but it's not hard to see that that things have not been set up properly over the last few years. Yep. And, you know, maybe hopefully Tim Lewis is the solution and, and, and not the new problem. Uh, we won't know that for a while, but, you know, hopefully he's. He's kind of, you know, I, I hate that 55 people lost their jobs. I, I have an opinion on that that isn't necessarily 100% uh, sympathetic and outraged. But, um, you know, I hate that that had to happen. But in some ways, you got to run it like a business. In some ways, you got to run it like a club. When it comes to the football side of things, you have to run it like a club that that isn't going to make stupid business decisions. And, and that sounds kind of like what Tim Lewis is in there to do. So I, I, I have a, a history of trying to talk myself into letting things happen. The words trust the process come into mind. I'm not blindly following the process, but I do, I do believe from the top of the club, which is Josh, that there is a plan in place. And when the plan doesn't go to plan, that the plan is to change the plan until the plan works. Um, and you know, that doesn't mean you just keep going around in circles for 15 years. It means that they care though. And, and they're not just completely absent wondering what the Arsenal football club is and just checking the value of it every, every couple of days and not getting involved. You're now seeing Josh getting involved through Tim Lewis, through V who, you know, survived this purge and, uh, you know, wait and see. I mean, that's, we're not good at doing that as a fan base. But Absolutely not. 
which actually kind of segues into my my next kind of topic, which is the epitome of not waiting and seeing and just kind of putting on tinfoil hats and speculating slightly. So, um, you know, there's a lot of rumors going around that there was some uh, potential that one of the reasons of this departure could have been uh, some chicanery going around or some weird nefarious dealings around the Pepe deal, for example. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that played a part? Uh, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'll say this before you answer. I'll say that I, I would imagine you would agree that we just don't have enough information yet. The dust hasn't settled and we're getting piecemeal information from various things. Uh, a gopher uh, or gerbil. Sorry, I did not mean to insult the gerbil. Uh, the gerbil, you know, um, yeah, so, that, that dude's that dude's getting more. If it's a guy, he's getting more powerful by the day. So you don't yeah. want to get on his bed. So I don't. I don't. I'm sorry, side. gerbil. I, I are there female? Are there female female gerbils? I, I, is it I like would a, assume like a, so. A, like a male horse is like a is like a stallion, right? But not a female horse is like a mare, right, or something. Yeah, well, I guess if there were no female gerbils, there'd be no gerbils because I a mean, gerbil s would it be a gerbil s. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe uh, since since I actually. DM'd him about the charity earlier. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll find out. Ask him. Just try not to offend him. I don't know if that's something you could offend them, it, her, he, she. Anyway, um, but going back to the initial point uh, is that I'm wondering. Obviously, I think you would agree that let the dust settle. We're not, you know, there's piecemeal information out there. We don't know the full story yet. But assuming, for argument's sake, that there was some kind of of underhanded dealings uh, involved in this Pepe, tra- Pepe transfer. Let's just say, just for the sake okay. of this conversation, do, uh, the chief com- the commercial officer was Vinay at the time. Um, he's the financial guy. Should, if that's the case, should we be looking at him uh, under a little bit of a microscope? Uh, because uh, because I, the way I see it is if this is going under his nose, he's either acquiesced to it, meaning he knows about it and he's allowed it to happen, or... Um, he didn't know about it, which is a concerning that that's our chief financial officer who doesn't see that there's some kind of tricky financial underhanded embezzlement or whatever you want to call it going on. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, this is the first time you've made uh, that I've been made to think about this because I, you know, my personal bias comes from the fact that I, I had a, a few nice conversations with VNI last summer. He couldn't have been more nice, uh, treated me with respect, even though I was a lowly podcaster who lucked into media passes. Um, and he really showed at the beginning of the year a, a desire to kind of keep a line of communications open. And we we have shared some communications over the years. So I, I'm, I'm predisposed to like him, whereas hmm. I never I never had that kind of conversation. I mean, look, I understand that that has nothing to do with what you've asked. Uh, but I'm just stating the fact that that I'm, I, I'm predisposed to kind of like VNI. And I never abs- never had a word spoken between myself and Roel. I didn't even know he spoke English. Gotcha. Um, and um, so it, it, you know, I, but 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 it's hard to imagine a situation where the two of them, it's it's Vinay and Rhino. I mean, they're like they right. were like the the duo. Right. And you know, in any company, if you have two people who are so interchanged, and one of them turns out to be a complete scumbag and is is uh, pilfering from the club or or doing things that puts the club into disrepute, if those things are true, then, you know, how much could the other person really not have known about it? It'd right. be fascinating to find that out. I mean, I, 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 I clearly the club doesn't seem to think that that he was either in on it or complicit with it, or they wouldn't have announced immediately that he was assuming his position. Um which is what they've done in their statement. I mean, Vini for right now is whatever rule Raul was 
V9 now is, is in addition to what he was doing before. So there's a little less overlap there. But, um, you know, that that's a, that's a great question. And I think it's one that has to be asked as much as I like the guy. How could that how could no one involved at Arsenal not know if this is true? Right. That that supposedly some 20 odd million pounds uh, of the Oof, of the Pepe gone. fee was paid to people other than Pepe, Leon, um, or even his agent. All right, not Leon. Um, sorry. Uh, um, where the heck did, did Pepe play? Was it was it Leal? Yeah, but look, you. I mean, you raise you raise a good point, and and, um, and that's kind of exactly what I'm getting at. It's like yeah. no, it's you like, raised the point. I'm agreeing with it. Okay, yeah, but, but no, but I'm saying that if if it is shown that there's some kind of underhanded quasi uh unethical de- uh handling of the funds or the transfer i don't see a way in hell that we can that that, that vinai walks with away with clean hands from that um and that's just maybe that's just my experience um but i i you know yeah. I, I, I i'm kind of i i'm always looking at, at things like that and and i'm wondering like who look i gotta i gotta preface this or you know or rather conclude with the fact that uh, we don't know what happened, right? We still don't know what happened. We don't know if that's actually true, which is why I said assuming that it did happen. Do, do, do you I don't want people it? to listen to this. I don't want people if, to listen to this and think that I am uh, that I'm trying to say that this is actually what happened. I don't think there's enough evidence of that at all. I think that um, all of this is pure speculation, and then it could sometimes send you down the rabbit hole, which is why I like to kind of be modest about my pretensions when it comes to what we know and don't know about these certain things. Um, I'm not going to presume to have any, that there's enough evidence to say one way or another. So I think your question was going to be, what do I think? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I hate to say gun to the head, but I mean, if, if, if you're in a position where you had to say, is it true or is it not true? And you can't sit on the fence. What do you think? I think that where there is a lot of money in any situation, there's a possibility for corruption. Uh, and whenever there's a lot of power in play, there's a lot of uh, possibility for corruption. We're seeing that now in world politics without getting into specifics. We've seen it for a long time, and I think it's been a truism throughout human history. Uh, and uh, so if I had to hedge my bets and wonder, is Raul this sterling example of of morality and and well we've we've known that he's not that the question correct, you know, correct. I mean, so, we, and, so and, and we've been willing to get in bed with with that uh i think for a period because of his association with barcelona and you know the fact that last summer he possibly got a deal over the line that we didn't think arsenal was capable of doing right uh which is ironically now the issue of discussion I, I think I, I would tend to think if I had to say that it's true, but I have no proof of it. Right. My only proof of it is the fact that Raul is no longer with the club. Yeah. So and, and look, that could be circumstantial evidence, right? All of a sudden yeah. we hear we hear this and we see him get sacked. And now the sacking is circumstantial evidence that 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 whatever that statement was, was true. And circumstantial evidence isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like if you go to sleep at night, right before you go to bed, you look out the window and the grass is green and then you fall asleep and you wake up and it's covered in snow. I don't need a picture or evidence to tell me directly that what happened while I was sleeping, right? I know. I kind of feel like I'm podcasting with a lawyer or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. But the point is, is that waking up and just seeing the effect is evidence of what happened while you were sleeping, yeah. right? It snowed yeah. while I was sleeping. So so that's kind of the, the logic used here is that, all right, well, we're seeing all these, these, these stories and we're trying to determine whether they're true or not. And we still don't know ultimately, but we see the effect, which is 
relatively shortly after these stories come out about this investigation and this Pepe transfer, the guy gets sacked. And who sacks a guy in his position during a transfer window Yeah, for COVID reasons? No, I mean, that's, look, I, and, <laughs> which is and, what, that, and, and, and we all know that no one on either side is going to say a bad word about the other person more than likely because of a financial arrangement between the two, right. not two that isn't going to be pierced by either side. I mean, that that's that I wouldn't expect to see anything negative out of him until whatever blackout period that that the Unai Emery satisfied before he started slamming Arsenal at every turn. Uh, I mean, was that a, exactly six months or was it near? I mean, I have to research that because I don't think that's a coincidence. No one's going to hear anything about this from either side anyway. I don't um, think so. I think this no. gets swept under the rug. I think that this is this – is, uh, I, I, they might have – you know, if he did kind of embezzle something or did something unethical, no one's ever going to say anything about it. Um, it'll take some kind of investigative journalism. So it's all speculation now. And I want to emphasize that point because I don't think that there is nor will be enough information to make a uh, like, you know, smoking gun analysis over over these transfers. I, you know what? I, I hope not that's unless not... VNI starts leaking information to the Gooners podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's hope that happens or, you know, or, to, on that. or to the gerbil. If all of a sudden the journal the gerbil starts leaking emails, we just have to wait. Uh, I'll be very jealous. I'll be very jealous if that happens because I'd like to think I have a better relationship with Vina than uh, than the gerbil than a, than a rodent does. But... Hey, hey, do not call him a rodent. That... I don't think I don't think that's an insult. That's like, well, I was about to make a yeah. Um, I don't I don't think it's an insult to say you know he a gerbil is a rodent. It, I'm not saying a gross gerbil rodent is I'm a mammal. Saying. Is it? It is a, it is a rodent. Oh, it, okay. That's the order. It's rodent. Yeah, it's a it's a rodent, and it's also a, yeah, it's a mammal. That makes sense, right? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't say he was a lizard. That's true. They, Although I'm so, sure I'm sure a lizard's going to pop up pretty soon with some so let's see, with yeah. some transfer news. So gerbils are social animals and live in groups in the wild. They rely on their sense of smell to identify each other members of their clan. They have clans. Wow. All right. Uh, and it, yeah. It's important to use what is commonly referred to as the split tank method. All right, anyway, I just See, this, learned. Yeah, th- th- this is this is why you listen to the three hundred five cast because you get legal information, you get football talk, you get yeah. um, what what would it be called when uh, when you talk about animals? I mean, you get uh, biological. No, I, I don't know the word for it, but yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's 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 great. It's so yeah. Good they were once back. known. They were it. once known as desert rats. Fun fact. Fun fact. There's there's 110 species of of, of anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think I would be Wikipediaing gerbils, but here we are. Well, the the fact that he's been sacked in the middle of a of a transfer window, um, the fact that there was news a few days ago of an investigation that Pepe's name was brought up, and all of a sudden he's gone. Um, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. By the way, let me just say, hmm. I'm thrilled that we have Pepe. You I do. don't care. I'm not. I'm not overly bothered that it was 72 instead of 55 or 60. I think there were some other teams that were said to have been in the hunt then until we until we went over the top with our offer. And uh, you know, so it, it isn't it isn't the signing of Pepe that I have any kind of an issue with. It mm. you know if if it if he lined pockets in doing that, then then yeah, he's got to go. But. But and I, then, I, I couldn't to... be more thrilled that Pepe's on the on the on the team, and I, I and and between him and Wilford Zaha, who was kind of they were the one and the one A that everyone was talking about last summer. I'll take Pepe every single time. 
Yeah, and look, I think there's there's could be arguments for both of those players, and I think that um, ultimately my concern is right what you said that if it was done if there was some impropriety in the deal, uh, and then you consider the fact that the alternative would be possibly getting him for less and getting other players like how much like if there was some kind of a like you said pocket lining then you have to question was that is that a fair market value for the player or could we have gotten them for less uh and then use the other funds or gotten a player like zaha who i think would have been fine and then use those funds to, to strengthen the squad in other areas that and look and we haven't even touched on other deals like uh like louise and cedric and 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 um dennis suarez remember that was that was a uh, thing yeah that worked you know what i'm well. saying yeah, I mean, and look, you know, transfers. I think we made a bid. Work. Another cheeky bid for Luis, and they sent us Dennis instead. Probably. I mean, that, that would have been classic Arsenal. So. Yeah, but look, you know, then we also we have to look at like Tierney, you know, players like that, and Martinelli. So, it, I think that ultimately we're hopefully can get some more light on the situation. I I have my doubts that it'll ever come. I think that they might have washed their hands on this. Everyone's kind of. Um, well, it, it, unless one thing happens, and what? and and what I'm wondering is, you know, is it possible that this was a preemptive move? I mean, I don't know enough about the FA and regulations to know whether this kind of dealings, if it was true, would put Arsenal as a football club at any jeopardy of sanction. Um, you Maybe. know, I, I, I mean, if, if look, if, if so Manchester City, was- if City's been left free to play in whatever European championships they, they don't get knocked out of, Mm-hmm. Uh, prematurely, then uh, you know, we've got a lot of <laughs> we've got a lot to say. <laughs> that, uh, it takes a lot of nerve for an Arsenal fan to say that, but I mean, it, so you think this I might would have be been some kind of like a prophylactic measure to prevent a, uh, from getting you know some kind of sanction or something? I you know you're smiling. You're gonna, you think you're just going to use that gonna, word with me on the podcast? Anything. I was, I'm actually was, gonna. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna. This is why you. I want to. I mean, we're, I know this is an audio podcast, but we're looking at each other right now. But just for that exact reason, I wanted you to. I, I see well, my I eyes word, light up. My eyes light up, and I'm just gonna go right. You past did. It. You did. You looked like a kid on Christmas, like when I said prophylactic. <laughs> you were ready to go. It was only you, like I swear I saw some drool roll down your lip. You're ready. You're ready. But yeah, look. <laughs> Uh, do you think? Do you think? Do you think that it was some kind of? Uh, it was some kind of like a pr- a protective measure. Um, to to avoid any kind of you know and I, and and then if it was, do you really think that that would deter the FA from investigating if there were some underhanded dealings? I I didn't think that until about two minutes ago, where the thought popped into my head. Now I'm starting to work myself up, uh, getting worried about it because you know if if we've set a foot wrong, mm-hmm. we're going to be suspended from the Premier League for ten years. Yeah. I mean, it you know we'll be de- we'll be deducted 161 points. <laughs> which will take us all the way down to, they'll, to they'll, League they'll, Two. They'll take away uh, all the all of Wenger's trophies. Some for yeah. some reason. Yeah, they'll they'll do what they do in college basketball here, and they'll vacate all of our trophies. Um, and um, you know, and and next year we'll be playing uh, at Gander uh, Gander Green Lane again against Sutton uh, to try to get back up into the FA. I mean, it's just if it could happen, it'll happen to us. But I I, I don't know. I mean, I. I I don't know enough about the rules to know whether, you know, whether there's kind of a free for all on how you get deals done as long as they, as long as you're not, you know, uh, causing, you know, doing tax evasion and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I don't know if there's rules like that. But, yeah, the quickness of the action leads me to wonder whether, you know, whether it is truly over or not for that reason. And maybe and- that. 
and look, it begs the question: uh, We're self policing in a sense. Yeah, and we're we're assuming the worst here. And and I've I've been very careful throughout this podcast to kind of uh, to say like, listen. We and I've been know. very careful to try to get you to go the other way. <laughs> and, yeah, and and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm gonna go the. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something right now. I truly hope from the bottom of my heart that both the, those 55 layoffs and this firing are really at face value for COVID. I really would hate to learn that the club is using COVID as a pretext for doing all sorts of things. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's like the, uh, it's like an excuse. It's like my dog ate my homework, right? But you're going to, now you're using COVID, which is a serious thing. Uh, I, I really hope it doesn't come out that that's that's what's happening because I, it would be a real shame. I'd be very I, disappointed. I, you know, I don't think the club. I don't think the club claimed COVID. Raul Ra- certainly did. Ra- well, we I know, don't know Ra- if, Raul I know was the club responsible claimed- for the firings, wasn't it? Well, the the, the 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 well, Tim Lewis this is responsible be- for the firings. Well, well, no, I'm and- saying ultimately, if you think about it, this is the second time that COVID's being used to 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 uh, outline or to explain a decision that the clubs be- make. Our, I, I think the I think the redundancies uh, COVID was used for that, and and there may be some truth in it. Frankly, I think there might this might have been something they were planning on doing before COVID, and perhaps it waited this long because they didn't want to to have the bad you know the bad uh, rap from it. But um, you know, I, I the club definitely said COVID was to blame in large part for the redundancies. Uh, they I don't believe that they've said that in the case of Raul. Raul has said that. And I would expect him to say something like that. Yeah. Um, he's not going to say, you know what, I made some mistakes. Uh, he said, I feel helpless. He said, I, I'm not happy, but I have nothing but respect. I'm still a gooner. Right. Um, I still want to see us score goals. Yeah. So he said and done all the right things with, I think, the exception of, of bringing COVID into the situation, which is a little shady because I don't look, think this sacking had anything I, to do that's, with it. And that's what I'm saying. It's almost like obvious that it didn't have anything to do with COVID. And and I, I understand that the maybe the layoffs, the 55 layoffs and that, that fine. But uh, you know, it, and I, here, I think I'm going to take it at face value. I am going to assume that one was based off of that because I don't think there's been any evidence to the contrary. And, you know, um, obviously people were going to put the magnifying glass under the club there. So it would be monumentally stupid for them to use that as a pretextual situation. And and I think that now we know that that's not the case, but I'm not so sure with Raul. And, uh, and, and did you actually read his, the letter, the, the open letter or whatever that he sent out, just like the way that it was written, it was very manic. It was like bolded, random capitalized words. It was like, like some I other. Mean, I, I, again, I know, I, 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 I know, I know, I know you, you, you don't like to just say things without having proof, but I mean, I, I would, place my very limited reputation on the fact that Raul Raul's nose has had some things in it uh, that would make him manic at various times. You think that, so? Uh, I mean, I, it, it just seems like the type to me. It, I, uh, well, I'll tell you that was a, that was a very interesting. But I'm not talking about tissues. Uh, I, I'm, uh, things that right. might help him pull all nighters uh, to get transfers over the line. And, right. uh, and, and, and help his social game. But he just, he seems like the type to me. Uh, that's a blatant acu- accusation with absolutely no teeth behind it. But he just kind of comes across. He, he reminds me of, of, a, of a, like a TV character. And I can't think of who it is that would, you know, would would just be completely manic. Uh, Someone so, off of like yeah. South Park or something. It'd be like a South Park character, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, it, it just a guy who's completely out of control, but like intense. 
and mm-hmm. when the intensity is channeled in a good way, then you're then you're fine. When it's not, it's not. And 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 I'm just you know I, I'm doing this because I have the right and the freedom <laughs> to make my own just completely made up scenario about about Raul having only met the man once and never actually talked to him. So you know, hey. There you go. Fair enough. I, and I, th- I don't think anyone could fault you for that. And at least so. Yeah, were... So yes, I, it did seem manic. It was. <laughs> that's my, it that's was. my answer. It had like random bolded words, random capital words. It was like <laughs> it didn't like some of it didn't make sense. It was just very odd. It was uh, and and I was trying to read it when I read it. I thought it was a joke at first when I first read it. I, I thought it was like Ars Blog or someone that just posted this random <laughs> garrulous like n- like nonsensical almost. Um, you know, the punctuation all over the place. It was just very bizarre. Anyway, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully things tilt towards the sides of uh, turning out well in this whole scenario. But um, look, I, I think that it's a it's a very interesting position that we're in. It's it's definitely for some reason I feel like it's it's the right move. I feel like when I heard that he was sacked, I was happy about it, and my gut that was my gut reaction that this was a positive thing for the club. I can't. I don't know if I can explain that necessarily, but I, I just felt like, like um, a lot of the it, things had not made sense for a while for us right now. It ended up well with the, you know, with FA Cup, but there were certain things that just didn't add up. And I'm wondering if this is the culmination of that. Let's hope. And and you know, it, it's. I I I would not have. There have been people who have been on the watch. This guy, he's trouble. Uh, mm trained since he came in many of them have had pretty loud i mean can i give a prop out to somebody who's not necessarily the nicest guy but he, he was dead right on this uh, uh is Lagrove um as a blogger he has been on the what you know let's let's not get into bed with kia be careful of raul uh things since the beginning and you know again sometimes that that ends up looking stupid that way but He's not the only one, and I'm. Yeah. I, I'm and not I, a big, I feel like I'm not a big fan of his work in general. But he, you know, I, I there were some very well written and uh, articles uh, and blogs about it. And you know, I think in the end, you can look at at it with hindsight and say there's there's a lot of value in there. So there's a lot of people who are absolutely thrilled at this because they've looked at him as being a poisonous uh, part of the club's operation now and a heading in a direction away from the Arsenal way for a long, long time. I really didn't have that kind of insight. Uh, I was ready to give just about anything a chance and and see how it would go. And I wasn't really opposed to being a little more cutthroat, a little more backroomy. Like I said at the beginning, it's it's it was a change that I was willing to to, to let bear out. But the reason that you have people who are making decisions that are more in tune to what's going on than I am is because they clearly saw what he was up to and said, we can't even, we can't even wait until the end of this transfer window to make sure that this has been done. Right. And that, that rush to do it before the end of the transfer window, um, you know, that is the most telling thing of all. And the one that concerns me when it comes to maybe this was a preemptive, preemptive move to try to save Arsenal from actually getting into some trouble over this. 
Yeah, all well taken. And, you know, it's the, speaking of LeGrove, you you might have underplayed his position on this a little bit. Uh, in his <laughs> most recent piece, he said that uh, it, that Raul was a cancer that has been excised from the club. Yeah, I don't like I don't like using that word for that, but that was that was in my mind. And then I, I translated yeah, and, it into something else. Cause, and, yeah, and, and look, that's that's I you know hope he, he sees that as hyperbole. But I know that some people don't. And I wanted you to take this time now for you to talk a little bit about that. Um, I know that you're very involved with uh, Gunnar's is cancer um, <laughs> that's a segue yeah wow. so so the, someone who's at some real people who are actually really hurt and this is not hyperbole and and people who are actually really doing something to to really help these people why don't you talk a little bit about that well thank you i appreciate that and and uh and and we, this is our fourth year but i really say our second year of raising funds for the leukemia and lymphoma society um some background my my dad passed away um a little over 10 years ago of leukemia. He fought it on and off for two years. Um, you know, really sad uh, and and very difficult for the entire family and certainly for him. And uh, about five years ago, I was presented with an opportunity to help raise funds for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And it just absolutely hit home for me. Um, after we started doing the Gooners podcast and after, you know, after a couple of years, we got a you know, we, we, we came to really be able to talk to a, a number of people, not the largest uh, in the world by any means, but a good core group of people. I started thinking, why not compare, the, you know, c- combine these two, raise money for the LLS and have it, you know, be something that the podcast could promote and, and hopefully let it spread from there. So I started Gooders for Cancer in 2018. Um, last year was amazing because the, the team came to visit the U.S. played four games in four cities, and I went to all of them as a, a, a cross between a, a, a supporter, a member of the media, and a fundraiser. And and frankly, the fundraising part was the most enriching of all three of those things because at the end of it all, we we raised over sixteen thousand dollars that all went directly, um, not even through us as an intermediary. The the fundraising went directly to the LLS, and it was just a really proud thing for, for us to be able to do. So this year, we are literally just today starting our campaign. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of different things to, to raise money. Obviously, we'll always accept direct donations uh, on GoonersVersusCancer.com, GoonersVSCancer.com. It takes you to an LLS website that you can donate with your credit card. It's a direct, secure donation. There's no fees like on certain uh, crowdfunding sites. Um, and, uh, and, and it is tax deductible if you're in an area where tax deductibility is, you know, is available to you. And obviously you will want to consult your tax specialist on that <laughs> as, as podcasters do not, uh, provide tax advice, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's, we're going to have a couple of FIFA tournaments that are run FIFA champions leagues that are run for the Xbox platform and the PS4, where there'll be a, an entry fee that goes completely to the charity and, a prize that'll be pretty nice. Um, we're going to raffle away some incredible items. We'll be announcing them shortly, but they include gear that's signed by Arsenal legends. We've had the cooperation of guys like Alan Smith, Kevin Campbell, been talking to a couple others who have appeared on our podcast uh, this year as well. And it's just going to be a really good year uh, for giving to a charity. If you can at all possibly spare charitable giving, with all the other good causes that are going on right now. So, um, so Gooners versus cancer is, uh, is being launched and hopefully we'll, 
be a good couple of months for, you know, for people giving generously. It doesn't matter whether it's a dollar, a pound, five, whatever the case may be, uh, anything will help. So, and again, just if people want to go do it, where, where's that, where can they find it? Um, the, the webpage is gooners versus cancer.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will take you to an LLS page. There's a bit of a story about how, how it started, um, how the arsenal support has actually affected people within the LLS positively. And, you know, and again, you can, you can also follow on Twitter gooners versus cancer. Um, you can follow the gooners pod on Twitter because we are obviously, the, the founders of it and we'll be promoting it. Uh, it's not about the podcast though. It's about the charity and, and um, you know, John, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Um, this is going to be a tough year for fundraising because there is no summer yeah. tour. There is no, you know, part of our, one of our biggest fundraising efforts last year was a day of giving where all of the American supporters branches of Arsenal met at their pubs. This was unfortunately the day of the Liverpool game, but you know, mm. That there was a lot of people, there were a lot of people at the pub there. And, you know, we kind of had a, a contest between branches of the supporters club to see who could raise more money. Everyone was entered in the prize to win an Alan Smith signed jersey. And, and we raised a lot of money that way. And we don't really have that availability to us this fall, but uh, we're going to try to ramp up our, our international presence. We're going to try to leverage what we can through Arsenal America, through friends who, who have audiences like yourself. And, uh, and, you know, maybe next year we make the leap into a, a, a big time thing, but, uh, you know, every bit, every little bit helps every bit of publicity helps. So, um, you know, appreciate you shedding a light on that. Absolutely. Even if it did come, even if it did come on the heel of, of, uh, of somebody being called a cancer, uh, whatever, again, whatever I'll do just about anything to draw attention to Gunners versus cancer. Yeah, um, and that's kind of why I used it as a segue. I think it's probably yeah. hyperbole, and and you and you heard the turn of phrase, but I think that it's an important issue, and a lot of people have, I would say, most, uh, if not almost everyone has, at least if they hadn't some had a family member or a friend directly affected by it, ha- knows someone that's affected by it. Um, my grandfather died of cancer, so I, you know, everyone has a story like that, and it's it's great that you're doing this, and I think that when you utilize this fandom for for helping humanity, that's always a positive things so i'll be happy to have you uh talk about that it's no no issue one thing i also want to talk about another interesting segue um uh, i had recently interviewed uh dilly as you know who is the uh <laughs> the president of the chicago gooners um, for the for the gooner for the gooner talk she's wonderful um and we had a, a great talk about how she became an arsenal fan and a little bit of her background so if you get a chance go check that out on the gooner talk the article i did on that and uh make sure to watch tom's tactical breakdowns and then also, uh, she said that you tried something called Malort when you were in Chicago. So first uh, yeah, of all, I, I wouldn't what, say that I tried it, but yeah. Well, I, I was told you tried it. I, no, I, I, I was, was forced to try it. I, okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm talking about the intent. I did not mean or want to, but okay. yes. So, so ask your question. All right. So my question is, and I guess I'm going to revise it now, is that at some point in time, you had Malort in or around your mouth. Uh, well, yes. I mean, it went through my entire body. Okay. Uh, All right. I'm so, ashamed to say. So, what is it exactly? As best, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it justice because, uh, as far as a description is concerned, it is a liquor that is extremely popular slash associated with the city of Chicago in the U.S. 
Hmm. Um, and I believe, I mean, it, it's something from, and, and I'm sure you've got this up on Wikipedia, it has something to do with like wormwood yeah. or s- something. It, it is the worst tasting substance in the history of the world. Um, the world and I was huh? and, and, and in the world. And, um, and, and I just, you know, I, I can't even do it justice. It tastes like, like smoke and, death and like if you like if you if you collected the the water at the bottom of a hill that Ugh. that that had run off of a cemetery um at the end of a rainstorm it would taste better than what this tasted like but oh. anyway the but the story is yeah, it, it is it, it's a it, it's a it's like a badge of honor it's a it's a rite of passage and if you go and visit the the Chicago Gooners at the Globe Pub, which is another famous, uh, you know, it's a, for Arsenal lore. If you're ever in Chicago, go to catch a game at the Globe Pub. Go see Dilly. Go see Meredith. Uh, she uh, she's a, she's a fun person uh, to hang out with. But they're, they're, it's a great group. But they will take you and make you have a shot. It's it's generally for like rallying purposes. It's uh, degreasing car engines. It, it's for yeah, it's for rallying. Uh, it's for decreasing car, decreasing car engines. It's for murdering people in the guise of hey, we're going to go to the pub. Uh, but it's it's. I believe I had a shot at halftime of the uh, of the Community Shield, where we won in a shootout and Kalasinac played so well in his first game with Arsenal that I went out and bought a Kalasinac shirt after that. Nice. Um, but you know, and and that. When you buy a Kalasinek shirt and that wasn't the worst thing decision you've made all day, then <laughs> you know that you've had Malort. And they, 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 they got me into taking it. I probably had two-thirds of the shot, ran to the bathroom, and some guy who apparently makes a habit out of finishing people's Malort shots finished it all. Uh, but Dilly couldn't be sweeter. She's great. Um, and I don't really hold that much of a grudge against her for making me do this. But I will not be tricked into doing it again. Well, I think that's a better place than ever to end it. So if people want to get you on social media, where can they find you? Um, you can find the podcast, which is 90% of the time, unless we're trolling, uh, 90% of the time the Gooners pod is me. Uh, the other 10% it's Andy. Uh, I have my own Twitter account, which is uh, at Mike is a Gooner, but I really don't uh, tweet that much from there. Um, you can find the the Gooners versus Cancer at Gooners versus Cancer. And um you know, check out our YouTube channel. You can, uh, you know, you, you do a great pod. We do a pod every once in a while. Now we see now that you're potting, we're starting to take a break every once in a while because life gets busy. But, um, but we are going to try to, uh, especially during Gunners versus Cancer, have some great guests on, have some great shows. I'm sure we'll have you on. Um, you know, even though we're planning on having great guests and great shows, we'll still have you on. And uh, <laughs> of course, of course. And you can find that uh, on YouTube, but actually you can go straight to it at goonersubscribe.com. So great. Uh, now that you've made a list of all those sites, get on it. And John, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, but I more than appreciate you getting started again because you have good things to say and unique approaches. And, uh, and, and four years is too long to not have you on the Arsenal Twitterverse and the and Podverse. Well, so I welcome, appreciate Welcome that. back. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you coming on. It was a great chat, so we'll definitely have you on again. Cheers, mate.
we're done. Another episode of 305 Cast, the Arsenal Miami podcast is in the bag. I want to thank my guest, Mike, again for coming on today. Great guest. Go check out his podcast uh, with him and Andy. They do some great stuff. And go check out Gunners versus Cancer. It's a wonderful organization. Donate if you can. I know it's very difficult nowadays, but look, these times you know uh, you got to do what you can. And, and there's so many good organizations out there, but I think everyone either knows someone, a family member or a friend that's affected by cancer in one way or another. So at least go check them out, follow them, give them some support. That's what uh, being a community is all about and community is so important nowadays. So go check them out for sure. Look, we're in a very weird position as Arsenal fans right now. It's a little bit uncertain as to what the future is going to look like. This rebuild was always going to be a rocky road, but we really maybe didn't expect exactly what the highs and lows of it, right? I mean, coming off of this FA Cup and think about that that was like a couple of weeks ago that we won the FA Cup, and yet here we are, and there's so much uncertainty now. It's very confusing. That being said, like I said on the podcast, my gut feeling is telling me that this is this is a positive thing, that this is a good thing for the club, and hopefully that that intuition plays out well in the end. You know, you never know, but that's part of the deal here. And and if if Mar- if Arteta really does have more control over things, especially on the footballing side, that can only be a good thing. I, I I've seen what he's done with these players and the belief that they have in him, and the fact that he'll stand up for them and fight for them. And it's clearly something that I think is a positive going forward. So time will tell on that. And uh, yeah. Um, hopefully it all turns out well. Hopefully everyone there is doing well. Uh, if you enjoyed this, if you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe, like, um, share it with your friends. If you, if it's on uh, Spotify, whatever, just subscribe to any uh, any way that you're used to getting notifications for for podcasts or subscriptions to podcasts. I really appreciate it. You know, uh, I haven't done it in a while, and it's really great to get the positive feedback that I've gotten on it. Uh, a lot of positive reinforcement. Because, look, football Twitter can be a very annoying, weird, scary, and enjoyous place in some occasions. So I do I do appreciate everyone that listens to this. And, and I do it for me in a lot of regards, but I also do it for you. And uh, the, the, the feedback I've been getting is great. So I'm going to keep doing it. I'm enjoying it. And, look, hopefully we move forward from this and it's all good stuff going on, right? So with that being said, cheers. <laughs>